right, welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast, one of several podcasts on the Rivals.com network now. Uh, don't get it twisted. Uh, this is the original and the best. A uh, lot of people distracted from their work, Rob Cassidy. Is it, how, how are you doing today? Getting work done? Uh, I am distracted from my work. I am in a Fairfield Inn in Jacksonville, Florida, hiding from Hurricane Irma. I am uh, slated to get on a plane to Queens. So, you know, I'm, I'm just trying not to die. I'm one of those people that, that is distracted. Well, you sound real distracted. I don't know. <laughs> that, may, that may cut into your uh, message board posts uh, for this week. <laughs> uh, joining us from uh, Austin, Texas, Nick Kruger. Nick, you've, you've sort of survived Hurricane Harvey. Didn't really bother you. How are you doing? That's right. Bring on Irma. Yeah, well, it's easy for you to say, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> well, Wait, the, Rob, are you, are you bringing your family with you to Queens, or is it just, are you leaving them in Jacksonville? <laughs> uh, everybody gets, has to stay, and uh, everybody has to stay in Miami except for me. Well, we, we have the uh, Ma and Pa Kruger, of course, uh, stationed in uh, the Fort Myers area, so I think the most recent track saw them missing the worst of it. It looks like it's a dead hit for Miami, Rob. So uh Yeah, it's over, dude, for sure. Uh, Miami was cool though. Like you know, I always remember the beaches and like, you know, the twenty four hour clubs. Uh but you know, it had a good run and now it's gone. Hopefully we're we're joking. Obviously Rob lives there. Nick and I have been through several hurricanes uh during our time spent in Florida. So uh we wish everyone luck, even though, you know, none of us now Rob, you haven't taken to Twitter to wish people luck. Does that mean you don't care? Is this like a Charlottesville situation? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think if you're if you're from the city that's getting attacked, uh, you have to wish people luck. But if, if you're not from there, I think you, you guys all have to get on there and wish me luck or else oh, the okay. mom will come after you. Now, that's a typical transplant attitude. I got news for you. All, all my kids here in Houston – we're really wishing each other the best. Oh you my know? kids! <laughs> 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 the podcast, Sean Kemp. My mom used to. Uh, my mom used to watch soap operas, and uh, after they ended, there was a show on uh, KOMO in uh, Seattle because that was like the, our local ABC affiliate on the satellite. And uh, this lady just used to do a segment breaking down uh, the day's soap opera action. Nick, you would have loved it. Oh, it's um, the original Talking Dead, uh, and, and and she would call all my children, all my kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> reference that show. I'm going to look up that lady, see if she's still doing that every day on uh, Como. There, yeah, and, yeah. you know, if she is, like people I know have gotten laid off from real journalism jobs, and this woman is still getting paid to break down one life to live. We're gonna have a real problem. There's, there's got to be a, a YouTube video of her somewhere. That, I've got to see that. <clears throat> got to see that. Okay, so we'll research that off the air. But we now more than ever in the uh, the, the podcast arms race, we need reviews on iTunes. Uh, we need your participation in the show to keep us coming up with some new topics. So reach out to us on Twitter at Rivals Podcast. Uh, you can find all of us uh, by searching our names on Twitter, Rob Cassidy, Woody Womack, and Nick Kruger. And uh, please tell a friend. I, I know uh, a lot of people like the show, so keep it going. It's college football season. It's uh, hot take time on this show, which I know we, everybody really enjoys. So let's jump into it. Texas A&M, UCLA, that's our number one topic this week, and how could it not be? Uh, the Aggies go out there. They build a 44-10 to 10 lead. Uh, Nick Starkle gets hurt. Uh, Mike Farrell, five-star Kellen Mond comes in and things go downhill. They end up losing the game 45-44. You've got people from the, you know, you got Regents coming out uh, real angry about it, uh, wanting him to be fired before they get back. A lot of people thought it might be a Lane Kiffin situation where he did get fired. 
What do we think? We'll start with Nick. You are the uh, tech expert. Um, is it only a matter of time now? Do, are we are we freaking out too early? What, what's going on? That that was one game that I hadn't actually gotten a chance to watch uh, at full length with it being on a on a Sunday night and me winding down from a, a weekend's worth of other games. So I still got to unpack that a little bit myself. I mean, I know the, the the main speaking points, like you said, but I mean, this is. <laughs> You know, I I always feel bad. I always feel bad for uh, you know for coaches when they get into a situation when they know their backs against the wall and and right at, right out of the gates now he doesn't even have a chance to you know because because it would be great wouldn't it be great on some level you know whether you're a Texas A and M fan or not to have him getting all the negative energy getting killed you know we saw what happened to Charlie Strong here last year you know to have like an inspirational figure where. Someone buckles down. He says, "You know what? We're going to get this thing turned around." Not, not that it was in bad shape necessarily, but you know, prove the naysayers wrong. We're going to, you know, run the table. The SEC is winnable this year. We're going to come after it, and uh, you know, and it, it just never ever tends to work out that way for guys, does it? You know, uh, it was brutal. I think Rob, did you go to because Rob and I were texting, and of course, I was making fun of UCLA relentlessly via text message how overrated all the West Coast five stars were, things of that nature. And uh, and then Rob Stop responded. Rob, did you go to – you fell asleep? Yeah, I fell asleep. I completely fell asleep and woke up to – before I even saw the score, I saw your text. And I was like, what happened? I still don't really know how it happened other than I saw Josh Rosen's stat line. I, I didn't – I will assume there were some interesting turnovers. I, I never saw it except I just – no, here's the thing that happened. Uh, it looked really bad for Kevin Sumlin who has already kind of been battled – and, you know, it would have been bad the other way, though, if they would have hung on. I mean, somebody I, I made this joke on Twitter and it's not a very good joke, uh, but Nick will get it. It's it, it's kind of it was kind of like college football's version of a loser leaves town match. Right. It's the Macho Man Savage retirement match. Whoever loses this is going to have to go to a different territory and wrestle their matches there. And I feel like someone may unless he turns this thing around, which is possible, I guess there are 11 games left. You know, they go 11 and one and all of a sudden you know he's lauded as a hero but you know if it continues to trend this way uh this might be the signpost of when things started to uh the beginning of the end i guess well how how hot was the seat for jim mora coming into the season and what and what does this mean what does a win like this mean for him because it's like you said nobody really came out did anybody come out looking good or obviously maybe it's more like two teams came out looking bad right well, for Mora, he's just going to collect it. And for someone too, I guess, he's just going to collect all the wins he can collect, right? I mean, it's going to be a body of work thing for him at the end of the year. And this is just one win and a streak of many that he's going to have to get if he wants to hold on there. You know, I don't know what the line is, obviously. I'm not going to sit here and guess, but, you know, I would guess that if he it was six and six, it's over. Um, I'm not going to guess. And then I go ahead and guess. <laughs> immediately, guess, <laughs> immediately guess that. Well, listen, I personally, I think this is Texas Notre Dame from last year. Uh, you know, I hope people, you know, I hope, uh, there's, I haven't watched a new season of American Horror Story, but I'm sure the Texas A&M fans are going to be happy with me, but I just, I think it's a situation <laughs> just where, there's, where there's, there's too many, there's too many good coaching candidates that are going to be floating out there. I think there's maybe two teams that are just okay, eight, eight and four, seven and five type teams. And I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if it's enough to save either one of their jobs. Maybe it is for Mora because I don't know. Does you you know I don't know how much UCLA cares or or whatever, but from a recruiting perspective, and this is what uh, you know we try to peg the show to at least uh, for now. Do you think that now the schools that are recruiting against Texas A and M have all the evidence they need to now negative recruit for the rest of the year? Because 
we always talk about how perception is a reality in recruiting. And now I can just imagine the, the pitches from other schools saying, oh, someone's gone. Look, that guy's on the board of governors or whatever. He wants him fired. It's going to happen. You can't go there. Blah, blah, blah. Is that something, Nick, that you think you can see some of the, the recruiting rivals of the Aggies uh, already starting there in Texas? Well, the important thing, the important thing to remember for A&M fans is that, you know, the kind of like the bell cows of their recruiting class right now, um, guys like Jordan Moore, Leon O'Neill, Max Wright, those are all guys that have, um, and in 2019, you know, Grant Gunnell, you know, these are all guys that have, you know, more substantial ties to the school, more substantial feelings with the, with the school than, uh, you know, than what is considered average, like, oh, a coach gets fired, obviously, every we're going to have mass decommitments and things like that. I mean, I've had conversations with these kids where things don't necessarily seem um, so tied to Kevin Sumlin's future uh, there for for better or for worse. So, you know, I don't think I don't think the, you know, let, hypothetically speaking, if things, you know, continue to, to get worse for Texas A&M and uh, Coach Sumlin's let go, you know, I don't necessarily think that means that there's going to be a mass uh, you know, departure of a bunch of, of commitments that are in this class. Um, unless, you know, um, unless there's a, a coach that people completely disagree with. And I think the name that a lot of people have been floating around here already has been, uh, you know, Chad Morris over at SMU seems to be uh, one that comes up quite frequently. And I think people would look at his uh, body of work and consider him to be a pretty good hire under the circumstances if if things you know trended that direction so you know I don't think from a recruiting standpoint you know I I, I don't think this is necessarily um you know a, a death sentence you know and we've still got a long season to go and and they very well could turn things around I think you know I think there's a lot of things about Texas A&M that recruits you know that resonates with the recruits that that are committed there that kind of go a little bit deeper than you know, than ju- just what's going on with the coaches there. But uh, on the flip side, you know, UCLA is a team that kind of uh, tries to break into Texas a little bit as well. So, you know, this is if, if you know, if anything, I think right now today, I think this is a better look for UCLA with the guys that they try and cherry pick out of Texas uh, more so than it is bad for for Texas A&M after week one. All right. Enough, enough, uh, you know, killing the Aggies. Now it's time to kill Texas. So (laughs) let's make everybody in the state angry. Uh, The two of you are both texting me during the game, kind of surprised at, uh, well, I guess maybe not surprised. Rob wasn't surprised. I wasn't that surprised. Because Rob's been dubious of Herman. It's one game, but uh, go ahead, Rob, take the floor. What did you think? Uh, what was the spread on that game? Texas was favored by a couple of touchdowns. 17 and a half. Yeah, oh, 17, okay. uh, 17 and a half when my good friend got in on it. Um, I, I Like I said, it's like you said, it's one game. It, you know, it's not Tom Herman's a terrible coach. I think that he, he'll probably be fine there. Who knows? Um, it's just <laughs> we, we being, you know, fans and the media in general kind of like built him up to be this savior and put him in kind of a position where – this kind of thing could not happen, you know, and it, it was out of the question because it's Tom Herman, you know, all through last season, he was seen as like this, this Jesus figure that was going to save some poor program. Uh, and that poor program had to be Texas. And then he comes out, he spends the off season talking about how he's going to get the special teams in order. And well, this program is going to be built on defense. And the two things that kind of failed him the most <laughs> were those two things. So it, it just, it was unfortunate the way that it happened. I think I don't think that it's you know I don't think it's Tom Herman's a bad coach and Texas sucks. I think that that's 
definitely, definitely overstepping here. Uh, teams aren't ready to play sometimes in week one. That's happened a million times. I'm sure there are a million famous Hall of Fame coaches that lost their debuts. Uh, it, it's a little concerning, I guess, but I wouldn't, you know, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button in Austin or anything crazy like that. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I think it's a, it is a downer. I think it's a disappointment from a, from a perception perspective, but I mean, I don't think any of us thought Texas was going to go, uh, undefeated this year. You know, I think the ceiling for them is, is still about eight, eight or nine wins. Maybe. I mean, I, the big 12 is going to be tough, uh, for them with, uh, some teams that the three of us all like, uh, ahead of Texas, but Nick, what was your takeaway? I mean, like I said, I was getting some text from you as well. Did you get to watch the whole game, and and, and what did you kind of see uh, that, that that sort of caught your eye? Well, I was I was kind of floating around uh, the 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 city of Dallas as well when that game was going on. It, from what I saw, the thing that was really disappointing to me uh, from an offensive perspective with Texas was it just seemed like Shane Shane Bouchelle was really taking a long time to make some of those decisions on those throws. I don't I I can't say if that's because of great work by Maryland's defense uh or if there's you know if the if the offense is running slow you know that was a problem I think I think there was a a pretty big uh margin of of penalty yardage given up by Texas as well so you know I'll, there's there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to want to work on to kind of improve the speed <laughs> and position <laughs> of things I I mean de- defensive issues aside I mean that shouldn't be as surprising to people regardless of the rhetoric coming into the season because that was that was the big issue last year. I mean, they had they had staff changes midseason. We had Charlie Strong taking over the ropes, making demotions, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the defense was the Achilles heel. You know, Malik Jefferson, former five-star uh, linebacker, was was borderline benched, getting criticized. Maybe he wasn't as good, you know. So, But then he was exactly the player that everybody hung their hat on coming into this season with uh, Tom Herman as well, saying, you know, this, this, guy's, this guy's a superior talent. We're going to put him on the linebacker award watch list, so on and so forth. So... You know, it's just, it, you know, it's like you guys were saying. I mean, I think it was just a lot of overestimation and a lot of aspects of the game. And, and they'll, you know, they'll probably level out. I mean, I, I, should we be surprised that DJ Durkin is uh, not a coach capable of winning that game? I think, I, I thought they, you know, he was deserving of that, right? Yeah. And we had a former friend of the show, uh, JC Jackson from Immokalee, the, uh, Start, starting a DB for Maryland. He had a great game. Uh, of course, the the, the originator, uh, along with Edger and James, of uh, the we all kin uh, expression that Nick and I use uh, quite a bit <laughs> in reference to people. So they were talented people on the other side of the ball, especially if you ask Adam Friedman. I mean, geez, the amount of Maryland four-stars we've had in recent years is uh, an all-time high. So uh, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, it, it, the defense is terrible, but it's like... It, it's not like these were bad players, so that's what that's what makes me a that makes me a little more nervous. P- puts me a little bit in Cassidy land uh, when it he, comes to well, the thing. The thing with him is, or that I've always had with him is, we and granted, this is a media thing again and a fan thing again. The guy, I mean, we've we've built him up to be this great football mind, and I'm sure he's a fine coach. He is. I mean, he's never you know completely failed somewhere, but I mean, this is a guy that also. Had superior talent at Houston and didn't win the conference that he was in there. Uh, and we can talk about Matt Rule later, but uh, man, I, 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 I'm, I'm skittish of Herman. I, I'm not saying I think he's a bad coach. I think he's a fine football coach, and I think he'll be fine at Texas. I just wonder what we did to him as we being again the media and the fans thinking he was going to come in and fix this thing in one season. And I don't know if that's possible. It might be a two or three year rebuild. 
Yeah, and Rob's been complaining about it ever since. Uh, so, <laughs> so we will put a pin in that one for now. I think we are going to have a lot of Texas talk this season, though. So that's going to be a, a week-to-week uh, Texas checkup. Now, I wanted to talk to you guys. This is kind of a little more uh, abstract here. Uh, I went, watched, obviously, the, the game. We could talk a little bit about that after this, uh, between Alabama and Florida State. Now, DeAndre Francois gets knocked out. He's out for the season, which is uh, – a disappointment, former team renegade quarterback for me and Nick at the five-star challenge uh, years back. He's out. So they come in with James Blackman, a freshman, who Rob wisely ranked as a four-star, who I continue to hear people call a three-star, which I don't know uh, why that is. And then uh, at Georgia, Jacob Eason gets hurt, which is a real bummer for him because his dad played at Notre Dame and they're playing Notre Dame this weekend in South Bend. He's going to miss that game and Jake Fromm comes in. So the question is, and I've seen this on both our Georgia site at UGASports.com and uh, Warchant.com, our Florida State site, all the fans are freaking out that now these injuries will cost them Justin Fields. So, and I, I even heard another college football podcast, or no, I read an article, excuse me, in Sports Illustrated that said it's a double-edged sword that maybe these teams don't want their quarterbacks to do well because then they won't get Fields. <laughs> and we're obviously in the, the the a weird place with Fields, but do we see a scenario in which either one of these things actually impacts his decision? Rob, I guess we'll start with you. I think it would have to be a really extreme case, right? You know, if Eason is out and Fromm takes over and wins the national championship or something, I, I think that probably impacts his decision. Uh, the same goes for Blackman, but maybe those national title hopes have already sailed in that case. If or they go to the playoff, if it's you know that he leads them to a triumphant nine win season or a ten win season and an appearance in the Cotton Bowl or whatever's not the bowl, the, the playoff bowl this year, then you know everybody thought Georgia was going to be good anyway. Uh, Eason Price still wins that job back. I don't think it 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 scares him off from there, and I don't think it scares him off from Florida State either. I mean, these are teams that I mean, I don't think any either of these injuries are career ending. So as long as you know these guys don't have national championship, I'm never giving the job back season as true freshmen. Uh, then what's you know what's the big difference? I don't I don't I don't really get that line of thinking right now. I think it's at best premature. Well, here's what here's what I thought, and I saw some people posting about this. Oh, now Francois is going to get an extra year of eligibility. Well, no, he's not. He already redshirted. You can't redshirt uh, without an injury and then get injured and get another year. You get the extra year generally when you have two injuries that keep you out for the season. So, so that's not on the table. Francois is going to two years of eligibility after this year. He was coming back regardless. I don't think any of us expected him to leave after his redshirt sophomore year. Now, maybe Florida State was pitching that to to, uh, to Fields. I don't know. Eason, same situation. He's not going to be out for the year. My guess would be he'll be back in midseason. And unless unless Fromm pulls a Tom Brady, uh, you know, I don't I don't think we see a situation where Eason doesn't come back and get his job back. So both of those guys, if they do what they're expected to next year in 2018, will be gone to the NFL draft, Eason being a junior and uh, and Francois being a redshirt junior. So I really don't think it matters that much if, it, it, you know, there's Justin Fields, we expected it to be done by now. And now I read an article about how, you know, he's potentially going to visit Oregon and he's going to visit USC. I think Fields and his dad, uh, who I've seen quoted in a few articles, are really in no rush to make a decision now. And I think these injuries only time that out more because there were, you know, I talked to people at all three of these schools and one, you know, one of the opposing schools that's not Georgia 
was saying, oh, well, you notice you haven't seen anything about Fromm in the preseason because they're telling Fields that he's terrible and he can come and beat him out. Well, I doubt that was true, number one. (laughs) That would be a pretty diabolical thing by Georgia. Number two, now Fields doesn't have to worry about, you know, sometimes he can watch Fromm for himself. He can watch Blackman for himself. We all know that these kids think they can beat out anyone for any job. We hear it all the time. But now they can survey the landscape even further, take a look at Auburn uh, and and see what happens there with Stidham, who's probably going to leave after this year anyway. So bottom line is I, I don't think it's going to have a big impact, but I think it just adds another layer to the Justin Fields uh, story, which really may be shaping up. And I hate to say this. Uh, one of the most fascinating recruitments of all time. I mean, it's, he, it's not Bryce Brown. It's not Terrell Pryor in terms of drama and stuff like that. But with so much intrigue in these schools continuing, I read on all three sites, uh, you know, on all three media from all three media markets this week that Georgia's the front runner for fields, Florida State's the front runner for fields, and Auburn's the front runner for fields. So they all think they're leading because they're getting, you know, a lot of information comes from the coaching staff. So, my question for you two now is, do we get a resolute? What's our over-under for Fields' commitment? I'm a, I'm putting it at November 1st now. I would have said October 1st before. I don't – there's a possibility he doesn't decide until no, until November. What do you guys think? If that happens, one of these teams is dropping out by attrition, right? Like Florida State doesn't have a quarterback in the class. Eventually, they're going to have to take somebody. I mean, you have to have Fields insurance if it goes that long, right? I mean, it would – it's, it would seem to be, especially if you're Florida State, you've lost Norman Lee Henry to trouble and transfers and he's gone. You've got an injured starter and you've got a freshman starting, an undeveloped freshman starting. You cannot risk having to scramble the last two months before signing day if Fields tells you to get lost at the last minute, right? You've got to have insurance. You've got to take somebody. I don't know, man. There's more. As I said, more schools are being added. We're supposed to be going down now. Now it's 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 uh it's Oregon. It's USC. He might visit both. I mean, we have not seen a quarterback do a recruitment like this in a long time, where he goes this deep into the season. That may be something to look at for a, for a story. We've seen guys flip late in the process, like uh, Dwayne Haskins and guys like that. I think, but we've not seen someone be uncommitted. Say I'm taking five visits and now get to, you know, it's it's mid-September and he, he's got a bye week this week and nobody knows where he's going. So keeping people guessing, giving us something to talk about. I love it. I personally, uh, now that I'm not in charge of covering his recruitment, it's really fun. <laughs> it's, it's been really fun for how, me to watch. How mad would people be if the Alabama boogeyman decided to get involved at this late and they get him? <laughs> uh, they, they try. Yeah, boy, that would be really bad. They try. would be so mad. They tried, and I think uh, they've they're focused on Emory Field or Emory Jones, which we can talk about more maybe in another episode because because there's a lot of rumors swirling there. But now I wanted to talk to you guys, kind of do this as a little more off topic. I went to both Alabama and Florida State and uh, Georgia Tech and Tennessee. Went to the new Mercedes Benz Dome, which uh, actually when I was gone, uh, I was driving through the countryside in Greece, listening to you two jabronis talk about concession prices. Uh, <laughs> what a topic. what a topic! So I thought, let's bring it back since I enjoyed listening. To you guys talk about it. You guys got any questions for me? I got all kinds yeah, of stories to tell. Let's hear I want to go to the concession prices because I want to hear if those are really that good to be true. I don't know if you're in the press box, you maybe didn't see them. And two, I want to hear all about the floating logos. 
the foam oh, logos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so concession prices, I think there's I, – I heard a lot about these pizza prices. And then I'm down in – I went into the Delta Club, which is down below – which uh, you can come out, you come out and you're right behind the benches. You're at field level, which you can't see anything. As I always thought, whenever I saw the Cowboys stadium, I'm like, how do they see what's going on? The players are in the way. That's true. Players are in the way. The pizza in there is not whatever price, $2 or whatever. It's a lot, it's a lot more expensive than that. However, water's $2, which, which I thought was very affordable. I saw some soda prices, very cheap. So the prices are true, number one. I think if they didn't have that, that would be uh, ridiculous. But I do think there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, way to work around those prices that they advertised. Number two, this machine, which I tweeted it out, I put it on my Instagram, which by the way, follow me on Instagram, Rivals Woody, trying to get my following up as I've been bugging Rob about. It, it produces like foam, like a foam party or like soap almost. They put a board over the top with the logo cut out of it. And it and the guy slices it with a with a piece of wood, and the logo floats up into the air. And they were spot on. I mean, these are perfect logos. The Alabama one, the Georgia Tech and Florida State both kind of struggled because the intertwining you can't really make it out as clear. But the Tennessee T and the Alabama A looked great, and they floated all the way up to the ceiling. And they also had the Chick Fil A logo. I really enjoyed it. I mean, if if if. Uh, if I was a kid at the game, for sure, I would have just sat there and watched the bubbles float the whole time. Uh, so that was that was really oh, awesome. So these things floated for the entirety of the game. There's, it didn't like disintegrate. Well, they did them pregame and they floated around, and I think you know eventually they go up into the to the ether or whatever and pop at the ceiling. Um, I I can't say that the stadium is definitely not done. Uh, Rob, you've been having some remodeling in your kitchen or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> It's kind of like when the, I'm going to be having a remodeling in my entire townhome when I get back to Miami. <laughs> it's kind of like the contractors come to your house and do a job, and then they just sort of don't finish the last five percent. You got to call someone else in to come, you know, do the caulking and the finish work and stuff like that. That's what the stadium's like right now. I think, uh, boy, they they barely made it under the gun to get it open, and I think there's still going to be a lot of work. Yeah, the roof there. doesn't open right now. They cannot and, open and close the roof. And I, yeah, and I talked to some people about it. They said it opens, but when it opens, just water just pours down. <laughs> oh, my God. Inside. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, do you Do you remember – I don't know if you got – well, Rob, Rob might be familiar with this, but, you know, when they built that um, – when they built Miller Park out in Milwaukee – you know they the the way that they did the the way that they did the ceiling up there the retractable roof is not like any other you know it fans out yeah. it fans back and they had all kinds of issues with water trickling down through the levels of the fanage when it when it would open and close uh you know it, anytime you try to do some kind of avant-garde like ceiling work like that it's always it's always going to be a mystery until you until you find out about it and then it's just uh, all kinds of money cost to to replace it. I'm sure. I heard. I saw on social media there was some kind of like mass hysteria with people trying to leave the game. Did you see? Did you see people were having a real difficult time trying well, to leave the stadium? Well, the problem you have is uh, the Georgia Dome is still there. So the, until they tear it down, there's not a really effective way to get in and out of the stadium because you come out. And then you've got to like walk up stairs and it's like there's only a certain number of stairs. Now, when the Georgia Dome's not there, you'll just walk straight out. But there's definitely a lot of there's definitely a lot of issues until they tear the Georgia Dome down. I think it's not going to be the full experience. I I mean, I know to get to gate one, which is where I was at, it was it was a, a heck of a time. I had to go. I had to go. Uh, you park in the old parking lot where the Georgia Dome is. Then you go up an escalator 
walk through, go to the front of the stadium. Then you have to go downstairs, which I don't know what you would do if it was a handy if you were uh, handicapped. And you you're going downstairs, and there's thousands of people trying to go down these stairs to get into gate one. And these are normal size; these are normal like parking garage style stairs. So there's not a whole lot of room for for people coming and going. So I think there's some logistical issues. That'll be you know obviously I don't go to any Falcons games or anything, so that won't be an issue for me. Uh, press box talk. I sat next to Clay Travis, uh, now friend of the show. <laughs> Uh, oh, is he? Yeah, not, not in front of this show. <laughs> I sat next to Clay Travis uh, during the Tennessee game, and uh, yeah, we were cutting up at various times. He had a lot of sly comments to say about the Vols, uh, which which I were enjoyed. the Vols advancing? Were the Vols advancing the liberal agenda? <laughs> you know, it kind of reminded me a lot of you know. I've spent time, and, and Rob, you can speak to this as well, with several notable uh, TV personalities who are outspoken. You know, the Jason Whitlocks and Stephen A's, and uh, even uh, our girl Jamel Hill. Uh, you know, of the world, we worked with them at previous stops, uh, or, or or came in contact with them, and and much like them, his his off air personality is uh, is not quite the same, and the amount of people, boy, talk say what you want but there was a lot of kiss in the ring come people coming over oh hey Clay, i heard the site's doing real well and uh the sec commissioner came in and talked to him as well so i don't know man uh yeah i mean i've spent some time with him too in a in, in more of a bar setting and it's definitely he's not you know he's he's definitely playing a character uh when he's writing and whatever you know say what you want <laughs> let, let the guy play a character I <laughs> rob's still mad um there was also an incident on uh on Saturday night where the security guards stopped several prominent members of the media uh, and wouldn't let them get back to the post-game press conference because also no one knows what where anything is or who's what, you know, the security guards and people working the game and led to Andy Staples bursting into the media room. Uh, and he started to yell, and I thought it was going to be a full-on Womack freakout. <laughs> you have him on the podcast once he turns into you. Right. <laughs> but unlike me, he he reeled it in. He he yelled. He's like, you need to tell them. And, and then he and then he stopped. Uh, but it was in front of everyone. I got a big laugh out of it. And there was all kinds of grumbling. It, it was. I really enjoyed being back with uh, grumpy sports writers uh, in that setting. I had, I had a good time there. So I would advise everyone, go check out the stadium. Leave yourself plenty of time to get in and out because it's kind of a pain in the tuchus. All right, and now a special interview. I went to Knoxville, Tennessee last week to sit down with five-star offensive lineman Cade Mays. Uh, we had an interesting conversation, talked about farming, bucking hay, all types of uh, stuff that is of interest to our audience. So go ahead and take a take a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. All right, we're here with Cade Mays, Tennessee commit, longtime Tennessee commit. Seems like, when did you commit? After your sophomore, when you were a sophomore? I, I committed going into my sophomore year. It was two years of the summer. Oh, really? So, so going on two and a half years. Does anybody still call you or anything? What? Any other um, coaches? You get any mail? You get any mail? Or? Yeah, I get a bunch of mail, but I mean, everybody's kind of, nobody really calls me anymore because I don't, I stopped replying. Like, I've never replied. So they just, they took me off the call list or whatever. <laughs> well, I remember, I seem to remember like a picture. We Did you, when you got offered by Alabama, you were there in the office, right? Yeah, I went to camp. Uh, at Alabama my freshman year and, and got that offer. I met with Coach Saban and stuff. So, yeah, that was cool. But you you kind of always knew you were going to Tennessee anyway, right? I didn't really know, you know. Um, I really didn't know much about the recruiting process at all. I never really, like, had anybody to talk to it about. So, um, 
I didn't really know when I was going to commit. I just committed when it felt right to me, and, you know, it was the right decision. You know, I did a lot of praying and stuff about it. And uh, I looked around a little bit, but, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like I made the right decision for me. Now, first we should tell people your dad played at Tennessee, right, when in the 80s? In the 90s, 94. Okay. Um, and then he got hurt at the end of his career or something? Or? Yeah, he got hurt uh, like 60 days before the draft. Was oh, like, really? Was like the first round pick, yeah. Ah, geez, what a killer. And that kind of ended his career at that yeah. time? Yeah, it if it happened now, though, he probably would have been fine, right? Or no, he had a, no, he severed a nerve in his leg. Oh, jeez. So. And that was just working out? Yeah, just working out. It was actually after his workout. You know, he finished his workout, and then somebody asked him if, if uh, he would help with some extra stuff. So, you know, he was going through some extra work. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's brutal. Um, so, growing up, I mean, did, was that an advantage for you having a former player as a, as a dad? Was he always working you guys hard? Or? Yeah, he always worked us hard, but we never really talked about college football and and we never really talked about football much in general. We just worked out with him, and he was my coach when I was younger. And then, and you know, it turned into this. Um, yeah, you mentioned so. So tell me about the that Tennessee bond. I guess I mean I'm sure you grew up going to the games with him, right? When did it become a reality? You said you didn't that you weren't thinking about it. When did it become a reality that okay, I I'm good enough to play at Tennessee, or it's going to be something that that I can do. Um, it was when it was the first camp I went to when I went to Tennessee's camp I got that offer going in ninth grade. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know they offered kids this early. And so uh so I went to camp and uh did good enough to come out with an offer and that's when I kinda realized, you know, this this is gonna be uh this is gonna be my way of, you know, making something special happen. So that's when I realized that I really didn't take football serious through middle school and stuff and then when that happened, you know, it was it was a it was a wake up call. So you went from kind of, I remember, you know, no offense to you, I remember seeing your picture, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, okay, <laughs> this kid's dad played at Tennessee, they were nice, and they offered him or whatever. Yeah, I think you that's know. what a lot of people thought. But then, obviously, you came to camps with like a chip on your shoulder, right? I mean, it seemed like it to me. I mean, you were yeah. ready to fight everyone, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> other <laughs> offensive linemen. Uh, is that just your general makeup, or was that something that you, you came in wanting to say, okay, um, I, I want to prove that I belong with these elite guys? Yeah, they say the apple don't fall too far from the tree, so uh, <laughs> that's how my dad was, and that's just, he's really instilled that in me, and, and you know, when I put, when I go inside those white lines, I don't know, it's like something, something clicks on, and it's just, you know, I just want to, I just want to beat somebody up, I don't really know how to explain it. When I'm off the field, I'm a completely different person, but I guess it's just the mean streak I have in me. Well, no, I can relate. Believe me, I, I, I can tell. Actually, the first time we did rankings, and I was pushing for you to be a five star, some of the other guys were like, "You just wanted to be ranked high because he reminds you of you." And I was like, "That's," I was like, "That's not true. That's not. That's not completely true." Um, so you grow up. You live on. Do you live on a farm? What's your What's the situation yeah. like? Yeah, I live about thirty minutes west in Knoxville, and uh live on a farm, you know, we, uh, we grow hay and I hunt and fish. Basically all I do is hunt and fish, play football. So. Can you explain to people who have no idea how hard it is to like buck hay? I mean, do, are you used to it now or is it still I'm super used to hard? It. I'm used to it. I don't, it, it doesn't, I actually look forward to it. I like doing it. I like being outside, you know, and, and doing all that stuff. But, uh, to put it in perspective, we, I had some of the kids down, uh, from my football team actually. Uh, this summer when we had a cut and uh, one of the kids was crying. That's uh, that's how bad it is. It's bad, you know, but 
it's bad when you first start doing it, but you you grow to like it. I mean, hard work is there's just something about hard work. You feel good about yourself when you get done with it. Yeah, I mean, but you know, your arms get all cut up, right? Oh, yeah. Mine don't anymore. Oh, you don't. I'm used to it now. I love hay. You know, I grew up in Oregon in the middle of nowhere. And I remember one time somebody was like, "Oh man, we got a job doing hay. We can make a lot of money or whatever." Yeah. And I was like, "Your, I was like your teammate that was crying. I was hating. <laughs> I was hating life, and I did it a few more times after that. But I was yeah. like, I got to go to college, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not cut out for the farm life. Um, yeah, you post a lot of pictures of, uh, you post a lot of pictures of you with animals, right? I yeah. mean, do you do any hunting besides deer? Yeah, I, I turkey hunt, deer hunt, duck hunt, bird hunt, you know, anything with a pulse, I can go after it. <laughs> you want to come over to my house and kill some squirrels? That would be yeah, right, yeah, I can. I'd love to. <laughs> um, you mentioned some teammates coming out. Didn't you have some guys from the Tennessee football team come, too? Yeah, or? I had uh, I had Trey Smith and Riley Locklear come and help me, too. That was that was a trip. What did they think of it? Uh, Riley's from West Virginia, you know, he's kind of, he's a country kid, so he, he was used to it, and Trey, Trey said he's done it a few times, but, uh, I was impressed with how they worked. Really? Yeah. Usually people doing it for the first time in a while aren't, they're not really cut out for it, but they worked hard. Um, are you surprised with, with the success Trey's had? I mean, I know you went to a camp with him already, but well, we're recording this before they play on Monday, he's scheduled to start at, yeah. at guard. Yeah, you know, he's, he's come a long way, and he's just, he's, he's got the most freakish genes that I've ever seen. And, you know, I mean, I, I saw it coming. I knew it was going to happen. But uh, I don't think most people can see a 18. He's he's actually younger than I am. Oh, really? So I don't, I don't think many people know that. But he's just, it's freakish. I've never seen anything like it. Well, I remember you telling me after the camp, was it the camp in Jackson? Did you go out there for that one? Yeah, I did. And I remember you telling me that he was he was really impressed. Yeah, yeah he's one. the real deal. Everyone's mad at me because I didn't rank him higher. <laughs> no, I mean, rankings don't matter. I mean, you know that. Trey knows that. Right. I mean, it's, it's all about what you do when you get out of high school. I think that's a, a common thing. Obviously, you you know, part of you wants to be the best in anything. If they're, you know, I think Steve Spurrier said it, like if they're keeping track, I want to be, you know, if they're keeping score, I want to win or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah you want to be you want to be the best. But at the same time, I mean, for you now, does it, I mean, is it something you still pay attention to, especially considering you're so locked into your school and everything like that? Yeah, you know, when I was a freshman and a sophomore and the rankings first came out, you know, it kind of tore me up because I wasn't where I wanted to be, and then I moved up. But now it's just like it puts – I mean, everything gets put into perspective. I mean, it's not – it's all about what you do when you go to high school, and that's what that's what Trey's done a great job with. You know, he wasn't – he was number one, I think, in ESPN or 24-7 or one of those, and then and then he wasn't ranked nearly as high on rivals. But it's all about what you do when you get out, when I get out right. of high school. And Trey was never, uh, you know, he he never complained to me about it or anything. Yeah, like that. You know, I mean, really. he he he's very mature. That's one thing I can say about Trey is he's got the maturity level of a of a of a like a just an old man. That's he's got an old man mentality. You, uh, I do remember you complained one time, and it was when we had some technical glitch on the site, and it released the rankings in alphabetical order. So it had Matt Corral number one. Or whatever, and because that was down there deep, I was hot. Yeah, because your last name starts with an M. You were like, I'm number fifty six or whatever, and I was uh, like, it's alphabetical order. Didn't you notice that when, when you were looking at it? Oh man! But anyway, we got to straighten down now. You're you're fourteen now. Yeah, that's crazy. That's high. Fourteen in the country out of how many? I don't know how many we have ranked. By the end, we have like three thousand. So um, that's a pretty high ranking. 
you this offseason, you mentioned it before we started recording, you hurt your foot or you had bone spurs or something, I had to have surgery. And I remember people telling me that you had struggled at that camp in Atlanta. What was it like having that setback and having to have surgery and miss out on coming to a lot of the fun stuff that we've got recruits get to do in the office. Yeah, you know, I went to the opening banged up and I just wanted I just wanted to get invited to the opening and I went and obviously I hurt my hurt my ranking a little bit or whatever and, and people said I'm not nearly as good as what they thought. But uh I went in there banged up and then but I had I got it fixed and you know I'm doing better than ever now and but it I mean it hurt not being able to go to the opening and not being able to go to the rivals camp and the five star challenge and stuff. You know, that hurt but but you know it's you gotta stay healthy. Right. That's that's the key. And I wanted to be I could I could have waited till after the open get my foot fixed, but then I'd be out for for six weeks or something, and then I'd miss my miss some games for my high school. And my my main focus is for my high school. I want to win win a state championship. But yeah, so now you're at 100 percent now. 100 percent, 110 percent, 110 percent. You mentioned last year you guys uh, you were undefeated for a while. Is that what happened? And I forget what happened. Was there some yeah. type of forfeit that happened early in the well, year? Well, we had we had a player that was ineligible for the first week and. Nobody really knew it until the next week it came out. Oh, was eligible. But, I mean, we won the game like 70 to 21 or something. Right, like and the, but then it was a loss yeah. on the record or whatever. But you didn't. You guys didn't end up winning what you thought you were going to. No, you know, we got beat in the second round of the playoffs. Just just had a bad game. You know, we played Fulton, I think, week six in the regular season, hung 70 on them, and then we played them in the playoffs. Thought we were going to do the same thing, but they had a great scheme for us, and we just didn't make good adjustments. Uh, getting back to Tennessee, like I said, we're doing this before they play the game on Monday. What are your expectations for them? I've been surprised. I've been hearing people say, okay, six and six, seven and five. Would you be surprised if, if they only won that amount of games? No, I think this is a 10-win season. That's your objective that's, opinion? That's my, that's, my, uh, that's my opinion. Well, I mean, I don't want to go game by game down the schedule, but I would be shocked if they didn't win at least eight. Right? I mean, what do you think it is? you think it's the uncertainty of quarterback that some of the national media people are kind of seizing on? or I think everybody – it seems like everybody's always got a negative outlook on Tennessee football in the preseason. They always have. But, you know, I mean, I mean the fans always think we're going to win a national championship, but it's like the buzz around the media and stuff is, is negative. But I, I'm calling it 10-win season. Okay. So this is before they play. Like I before said, they play. This is before they play. 10-win season. I'm going to go to that game. Are you coming down for it? I'm not. I've got school on that Tuesday. So. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I'll be watching, though. <laughs> It'll be fun in the uh, the new dome in yeah. Atlanta. I'm kind of excited to see what it's like in there. I'm going on Saturday to the Alabama game against Florida State and then again on uh, on Monday since it's right down the road. Um, you're going to come out tonight. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday to watch Jacob Warren, who's, who's also committed with, uh, in the area here. What's it... You were the first commit, obviously. You mentioned you committed as a sophomore. Have you taken it upon yourself to kind of be the leader, you know, quote-unquote, of the recruiting class? And do you think people kind of put too much stock in that in terms of you guys recruiting each other and things like that? I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I took it upon myself to reach out to these in-state guys and just, and just let them see that, that, like, all these SEC teams are winning with kids in their home state. And that that's something Tennessee's been missing for the past few years, and and Coach Jones has done a great job uh, getting in-state kids in the past few years, and this year I think is our strongest year. So I mean, I just kind of pitched that to the guys that, you know, I mean, we got to have you. Right. So you haven't. Your focus has been. I know you work with Alante Taylor, right? Your focus has been the guys 
in the state you haven't really necessarily branched out? And, and I, have, I mean, I've branched out a little bit, but, you know, just just getting those guys in the state helps just tremendously because we've got a great class. And then, and then you know, we've, we've got some kids from Florida and Georgia and Adrian from California. You know, that was that – was, he's one of my good friends now. I was glad we got him. Yeah, to kind of explain to people how those relationships grow. Is it Snapchat? Is it texting? Or how do you guys start to know each other, usually, especially when he's that far away? Usually starts out on Twitter, and then, and then like we have a we have a Tennessee commit group message, and uh, you know when people commit, they get moved in there, and then friendships blossom. I guess. See, I hate group messages. I do, I do too. <laughs> I mute them all the time. <laughs> then I go in there and read four thousand messages and try to find out what everybody's talking about. Yeah, that's it's tough, man. When you look down at your phone and it has a hundred oh, or terrible. something like that, I can't do it. You guys are always talking about doing that. Um, give us a few predictions. Who are they going? Who do you think Tennessee finishes off the class with? Anybody that that they're working on hard that or you're working on hard maybe to help them kind of close things out? Deshaun, that's my that's my main target right now. Oh, here your teammate. Yeah, right? he moved from yeah. uh, he moved from Indiana. Where I, I talked to him before I talked to you. Did you know him before he moved down here? I didn't, but the first day he moved in to his house, I came and picked him up. And we went and worked out. We worked out all summer together. So okay, so now you guys are real close. Yeah, yeah we're close. Okay, so that's the one we're watching. I saw you giving me a dirty look when I was asking about Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kate. Well, we appreciate you taking some time and talking to us, and uh, thanks a lot, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. So. Last but not least, two big upsets this week and led to me and uh, Rob doing a little bit of bragging, at least uh, I definitely did on Twitter, as we had Howard upset UNLV in the largest uh, upset uh, in Vegas history. I think they were 45-point underdogs. They went outright. And then Liberty beats Baylor, as uh, as Rob mentioned earlier. The key for me and Rob, Rob and I, Rob and I, I don't know. <laughs> Rob and I? I've been I've been uh, collaborating too too much with my coworkers lately. I'm forgetting uh, proper proper grammar and syntax. Um, <laughs> the key for us: three star quarterbacks at the helm of each one of those programs. Kayla Newton, of course, everyone said the younger brother of Cam Newton, the quarterback of Howard, a true freshman, had a great game. Uh, someone I ranked as a three star, and then Rob uh, Stephen Calvert, also known as Buckshot, I believe, is a sophomore at Liberty, a guy that uh, you ranked as a five point six three star, so a mid three star. Win FCS. People told us we were stupid. If they were good, coaches would have known. You think you know better? Blah blah blah. And look at that, huh, Rob? So you want greatest, the greatest seven on seven quarterback in the history of seven on seven. He won his team and he bounced around teams. So you know it wasn't the team. He was playing for Express one weekend, strong arm the next weekend, won every seven on seven tournament his senior year. I've never seen anything like it. He he did he, I think he didn't he win the MVP or didn't he win an award at a couple of rifles camps as well, right? Yeah, yeah, he was good. And you know, I've heard different reasons why. Teams didn't like him, and they're all stupid. None of them are, like, actually good reasons. Uh, I don't think they liked kind of his posture and his demeanor. Um, that's kind of what I've heard from college coaches even when they were looking at him. Uh, what a dumb reason not to take a player who just carved up Baylor for, you know, 400 and some yards. Yeah, he he, he had a unique demeanor, I would say. He was a little rough around the edges, for sure. <laughs> but I don't think he was, like, a bad dude, you know? Yeah, he, he just had a unique vibe. He grew up in Miami. He grew up in, a, in an interesting environment, kind of shaped how he was. Kalen Newton, very quiet kid, incredibly athletic. He had uh, he had some issues with his legs. I think that scared off some some coaches. Uh, 
but he's he put up huge numbers as a senior last year. I think he gets the last laugh. Allen, he's going to have a huge career. That's one they, we're talking about. This is you know beginning of his career. He's going to have a huge FCS career. I wouldn't be surprised to see Howard be mentioned. Uh, boy, what if we had a Howard Liberty Championship game? Wouldn't that be great, Rob? So that's what we're rooting for in the FCS level, right? Absolutely. And then you and I will have to put some kind of like uh, goofy action on it. Oh yes, for sure. All right. Speaking of action, last week's picks we all go two and one uh, with uh, I think it was. Uh, Virginia Tech and West Virginia got me and Rob. West Virginia does not cover because they couldn't score on the last drive of the game. They were right there into the end zone. Couldn't do it. They lose by seven. The spread was four. Uh, And then, uh, Nick, you chose uh, Florida State, which uh, turned out to be wrong, obviously. So, yeah, two and one. That means you're winning. 66% will take it, right, guys? Absolutely. Okay. I got got so mad because I felt like – you know, if everything if everything with Florida State wouldn't have gone like, you know, they, I I got so mad at that second half because I felt like if it would have been if it would have been right down the middle, you know, if both teams would have been playing to their foot, we had, you know, we had like a like a tie score at halftime. It was a three point game at halftime or something coming into the third quarter. I mean, both teams were neck and neck. You know, I was I left the game that I was at on Saturday early at halftime. To go watch the end of this game, and I walk right into that fumble by the end zone, oh, you know, and then yeah, yeah, I mean, and if that stuff, you know, if that if that guy doesn't if that guy doesn't fumble the ball right there in front of the end zone, I mean, you know, d- does the game end up being what it was? I don't know, you know. What is the uh, what's the expression if ifs and buts were candy and nuts? I was gonna go with ball, <laughs> don't lie. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. <laughs> I'll look it up while we. T- while I'm just. I'm just saying. Like I. I got mad. I. I was upset that it, it. That that between those two teams, one team beat themselves as opposed to one team beating the other. You know what I mean? Well, it's interesting because usually I like people who beat themselves, Nick. So I thought uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's what separates our podcast from the uh, Gotcha. Oh, you got that one ready. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk about this week's games. Uh, I'm I'm pulling up the lines right now. We're going to pick. We're going to start with. Uh, Cle- Auburn at Clemson. This is a this is a great game. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of this one. They played this last year. Uh, Auburn played it very close. I mean, that was a t- one of the tightest games Clemson had all year, other than the games they lost, of course. So uh, we'll start with you, Rob. Give you know, vape uh, vap. Uh, talk for a little bit about the game while I look up some of these other lines. <laughs> you know, I like I, I, I like uh, vamp is the word you were looking for. First, vamp. I like Clemson. I like Clemson, I like Clemson here. Um, I, I just think they're going to be too much. I think that the talent that they lost uh, is maybe – and I don't want to say it's being overrated because Deshaun Watson is a phenomenal player. But maybe the actual loss has been overrated a little bit. I think they have guys that have already proven last week they can slide in there and at least do a, a manageable job. Not that Auburn's not talented. I think four and a half points is just too few. I see them winning by a touchdown. I am not supremely confident in this game. I would not bet my house. I would not bet my car. I would not bet any expensive family heirloom. But I'll take Clemson. All right, so I, I watched them too. I like Clemson. I thought uh, Kelly Bryant played really well. He was a guy that I was very high on in high school, and and uh, I, I think he he did a great job. They've done a nice job developing him. I'm also going to take uh, Clemson as well as uh, I think they've got too much firepower. And boy, as I read online, there was a film study article that came across my uh, timeline today. And I know you like film study, Rob. Uh, yeah. Those hips were looking good. The, the Clemson DN's hips were looking very good. They said they were going to give 
Auburn's tackle. Oh, I saw it too. Is it our friend, our friend formerly of ESPN that wrote this hips article? It was. It was the I hip specialist. Yeah, so, uh, so guess what? Sorry, Auburn. I'm going with, with uh, Clemson, as people often say. Uh, Clemson and Auburn, the two, the two most mispronounced schools by recruits, going head-to-head in this one, but I'm taking the Tigers. Um, I'm also going to take Clemson. I, I just want to say that I, in general, I kind of uh, uh, I see you added Georgia and Notre Dame here to the picks. I'm, you know, I'm a little upset. It's it's a it's going to be SEC heavy for me this week. So this is not this is not my level of expertise. I did watch Clemson just about the whole game last uh, this past week though, and I really liked uh, I really liked what I it's saw. It's a clean so sweep for the hips. <laughs> Team hips for sure. Okay, now the game. Boy, some will say the game of the week. Oklahoma traveling to uh, the Ohio State University. Ohio State a seven point favorite. Boy, that's a big number. They struggled a bit with Indiana. Oklahoma's put up some some big numbers. I think somebody picked Oklahoma for their college football playoff pick, didn't they? I forget who did that. I must have deleted it off the sheet here. Um, I think we talked Oklahoma State for playoffs. Yeah, you guys took Oklahoma State. I, I took picked K-State. Oklahoma State. You took K State. I thought we took we each took a different Big Twelve team. I took Penn State as my uh, okay as your as your off the board pick. All right, so I guess I'll start. Why not? Uh, I you know this morning at the gym I was thinking about this and I was thinking you know what I'm going to pick Oklahoma to cover. Then I started thinking Ohio State's offense is too good. And then I started thinking the other way. But I'm going to go ahead and stick with the Buckeyes. I think they have a little too much firepower. I think, you know, Oklahoma's defense still a little bit of question marks. So seven points is a big spread, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the Buckeyes. I was extremely impressed with Lincoln Riley's coaching debut. They've got the more proven quarterback. I am going with the Sooners. I I I think seven is too much. I think Oklahoma could win this game outright. Um, I don't want to say I think they'll win this game outright because Ohio State is an extremely talented team, but I, I think seven is just you know I, I think that number favors Oklahoma. What right. what time of what time of day is this game being played? Do we know? This is oh, seven yeah. o'clock, right? It's part of that yeah. seven o'clock. Uh, every good game is on at the same time. Seven thirty Eastern, so six thirty. Nick and I will both be will be together in uh, Dallas or Fort Worth, wherever we're going to be. We're going to be somewhere, at least for the second half of this game. I'll be coming from Shreveport, Louisiana. So, Nick, we sh- what time you? What time are your games over? Are you working at that time? Uh, my late game on Saturday is at three p.m. So, I'll okay, be all right. Uh, so it's so we're going to have boy. Watch out for Fort Worth. The boys are back in town. So, who's your pick, Nick? And this is this is this is another tough one because I know Oklahoma. Uh, one of the things they struggled with was that defense at the second level. They're playing a lot of young guys. And uh, J.K. Dobbins came in for Ohio State and really uh, stole the show, as I like to say. And uh, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I want to pick Oklahoma because you know the, you want to root for them getting revenge from last then year's do it, drubbing. Andy, and do it, nah, because I mean they're going they're going up to Columbus and prime time seems like a bad combination. Plus, with some of the issues that they had uh, defensively this past week, I'm with Woody. I, I tend to I tend to go with Ohio State as well. Okay, so roll Buckeyes or whatever thing that land grant oh age <laughs> oh is that what they that's what they do okay yeah i can't well, remember that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well they're always talking about land grant i mean, I, I, anyway let's, guy let's, let's not get yeah let's not get into it stanford at usc a little pack 12 action uh boy usc is six and a half point favorite uh we saw plenty of coverage about their long snapper this past week i know rob and i were all over that Guess what? I'm I'm going first again. 
uh, and I'm taking Stanford to cover on the road, and I might like them to win outright. I think uh, they got they're going to give uh, USC some problems if Western Michigan can go in there and give them problems. I like uh, the Cardinals' chances, the Cardinal apostrophe s chance to uh, win that game. I uh, I like I like the Trojans. I think they're superior, talented. I think that last week may have been a case of the first game, like we talked about with Tom Herman, possibly just kind of the first game jitters, not conducive to what the team is. Uh, I think that our boy uh, Sam returns to form this week and USC rolls. Okay. Kirk city. Uh, Stanford. Ooh. Quick type it before I change my mind. <laughs> but I'm on my own here. All right. We're going to have a, some variants in the old Pickarooskis this week. And then last but not least, a late edition, as Nick said, uh, this is a top 25 matchup. We said we're going to pick them all this year. Georgia at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, a four-and-a-half-point favorite at the time of this podcast. I believe I texted Rob earlier today that the line was on the move. I'm going to check that now. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Well, I guess we could let you go first on this one. But the, but I think the line's moving in f- towards Georgia. I, th- I believe uh, I believe it opened much higher, and now it's it's coming in, money's coming in on Georgia. So what's your pick, Nick? Well, how, how, did, uh, how did Wimbush look? I think they, they – Rob, you watched that yeah, game. Yeah, they really looked there. really good. They looked a lot better. Wimbush looked a lot better than I thought he would. They looked better than I thought they would, um, which is going to make it really stupid when I bet against them again. <laughs> uh, did did he did he look better than Jake Fromm did when he came in? Yeah, I think Not so. I mean, game. The, the consensus on Fromm was he, he he had a nice game. He wasn't exactly asked to do a whole lot either, though. I mean, he had he had a – a lot of complete was pretty efficient. A lot of completions, but not for a for a ton of yards. Opened at six point five. By the way, is now down to four, according to uh, this app I'm using called Sports Action, uh, which is a uh, yeah Eric Winter friend Eric of the Winter. show. Eric Winter, I, yeah. <laughs> so big shout to Sports Action. Uh, go and download it. It's a it's a cool betting app, uh, which uh, I use to track the lines for this show. And because uh, our old boss, Eric Winter, is on the board, so I downloaded it to give him another active user. So big shout. Check it out. So it's moved from six and a half to four. So that means people like the dog. So so what's it going to be, Nick? Well, no, no. Come, I, I want to look up one thing. You guys I'll come back. I'll take it then. I'm, I'm one of those people that like the dogs. I'm going to take Georgia here against possibly my better. I just can't. Even though I watched them be good last week. I still have not convinced that they are actually good. Uh, it's like the opposite of the USC syndrome that I just talked about, where I think it might have been the outlier. I am going to fade Notre Dame here more than I'm going to show faith in Georgia and their backup quarterback, who by all means could be, you know, John Elway for all I know. Uh, but I think that I think that Georgia wins this game just because I think they're the more talented team. I still cannot believe that Notre Dame could possibly be this much better than they were last year uh, after replacing an NFL quarterback. And just magically become good. I just can't convince myself of that, so I'm, I'm taking taking the dogs. Okay, I don't. I've sort of flipped back and forth on this one uh, once again in my own mind. I, I normally would always take the SEC team going up uh, and playing a team like Notre Dame. I make fun of the Midwest all the time and how Georgia should have superior athletes than them on the field, and that might be the case. I also lose every time I pick for or against Georgia. So take that into account if you're uh, making any suggestions based on these. No matter what I think Georgia is going to do, I, I, I thought they were going to easily cover the over in that game against App State. Didn't happen. Uh, so even when I expect them to, to blow a game out, the, it does, they, they win handily, but it still doesn't help me. But I'm going to pick Notre Dame. I think 
at home, I like the emergence of Dexter Williams. We mentioned, I mentioned some of the the athletes from the Southeast. Dexter's from Orlando. They got a, they've got been doing a great job recruiting in Georgia. And this is a huge game from a recruiting perspective. Notre Dame is trying to recruit down here heavily. I think they got a little extra juice, and I'm going to go ahead and take the Irish. If it were Eason playing for Georgia, I would be picking Georgia, but I'm going to go uh, with the Irish. I think I think I'm just going to have to uh, pick Notre Dame as well. I'd like I'd like to pick Georgia just so you and me could split, Woody. Uh, but I've I've got to go with Notre Dame. They were too good against the run uh, last week, and and that's what Georgia's probably going to be trying to lean on to take the pressure off of Fromm this week. And uh, I I just think a, a home game for the Irish with the, with a new energy and new life about them. You know, this is this is Notre Dame's game. Man, I could fall very, very far behind you two this week for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, Let me yeah. ask you this before we move on, though, okay. because the, we didn't pick this game. I'm just curious as to what your take is in. I, I was looking at these spreads and how in the world, and I'm sure they know something I don't, and it reeks of that, is Missouri favored to beat South Carolina? Well, that was a game, and I believe Oregon is now a two-touchdown favorite over Nebraska. Both of those seem a little weird, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. Two touchdowns is – I mean, what's the spread on the the, the Columbia Bowl? Um, it's two and a half. And but it's Missouri in South- just gave up like 47 points to something called Southeast Missouri State last week. <laughs> I don't – I mean, I don't know, man. No, no. Missouri State is not – well – it's a <laughs> they scored seventy two points so well no they scored offense that's fine but man South Carolina isn't great but they looked a lot I, if if they give up forty something points to South Carolina they're not winning and if they gave up forty something points to whatever that thing is from the Missouri <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, it's possible well you have to remember uh, you get three points for being the home team so they're a two and a half point favorite that's basically a pick 'em right yeah it still seems crazy. So, you know, South Carolina looked great in the game they played that I watched against NC State. They played a real team, uh, unlike SEMO. So, uh, I don't know. That's interesting. But we're not going to pick it because we're getting off topic. No, I just wanted to ask if if I I was crazy. All right. Time for Tweet of the Week. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Let's see. Let's see. Tweet of the Week. And I know Rob sent us a suggested Tweet of the Week, which, by the way, you, you know, Mia Khalifa, it's enough already. Yeah, she's brutal. But it, that wasn't the tweet that I was sending, and I was sending in the reply from that coach in Tallahassee. <laughs> right. It's just amazing. <laughs> you can go find that if you just click on the Mia Khalifa tweet about uh, Wilson Contreras and the Chicago Cubs, and it's in the replies to that. It's it, it's it's quite hilarious. Let's see. I got uh, – oh, boy. <laughs> this is <laughs> – this is a this is a pretty good one, which I might have to edit myself. So I saw this come across my feed. This is a this was a viral tweet, so probably a lot of people saw this uh, from Mary Poppins, uh, which is uh, her username. Her uh, handle is a uh, Mary Jane with three E's. So she's got five thousand followers. Got a pretty good following. A lot of recruits were tweeting this. Basically, uh, the first word I'll edit out, but it says. Women, girls or women or a derogatory term. She's a woman. She used it, so I'm not going to judge her. She can identify whoever she wants. Uh, scared to go see It, which is the Stephen King movie. But laid up with the clown every night. How that work? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's a good question. <laughs> you know, she she raises a philosophical uh, debate. <laughs> 
once again, uh, that was what you made me laugh quite a bit. So big shout, Mary Poppins. And then another tweet, bonus tweet of the week uh, from I am Terrence. He says, fellas, I want a boyfriend season is approaching. She's just bored. Y'all won't last. She'll steal your hoodies. Focus on yourself. So uh, a word of advice as well. So <laughs> Wise <of> words. <laughs> she will steal your hoodies. Protect those hoodies. Yeah, she will steal your hoodies. Believe me, I know her type. So uh, anyway, there's a tweet a week. You got any tweets you want us to see, uh, go ahead and send them to us. Now, rants and recommendation time. I don't see any rants on it. Oh, Nick Kruger with a rant, which, boy, people like when Nick gives a rant. So let's let's hear it, Nick. Why don't you take it away first? Well, this is <laughs> this is, this is not going to be one of my better ones. And we're, I gotta, I'm going to try and keep it quick because I got to get out of here anyway. But the the I, I was watching, I was working on Saturday morning. I had college game day on on the television in the hotel room. Uh, but I had to, I, I don't know, I was listening to something on the on the computer, so I didn't have the volume turned up. But Tom Rinaldi had some segment. Uh, it was like some pre-produced thing where it looked like he was giving some like wonky stats or, or fa- game facts or something heading into the week. And he was very clearly telling jokes and like forcing laughs and doing zany things by Tom Rinaldi standards. And I really hated it. I didn't even have the volume on, and I hated it. And I and Tom, and Tom Rinaldi has a very specific role at ESPN, right? He does the heartstring stories, and he does golf coverage. Hold we on, don't I'm need failing a, to like picture what you're talking about. He was doing. He was like, it was like slapstick comedy. He's acting like Bozo the I, Clown. If I can find, I'll, I'll try and go back and find like a snippet of it to to cut in if I can, if it's online somewhere. But it was it was him with a white background and he had like props and he had stats and he had graphics and stuff. Oh, no. And he was clearly he was clearly telling one liners. And, uh, you know, and that's not what I come to ESPN for. And that's not what I want to watch on on Saturday morning. I'm trying to enjoy myself not listening to Tom Rinaldi's comedy, which I wasn't even listening to. I was just looking at it and I still got angry. So <laughs> Boy, cut, let's cut, cut that next week. Told you, tri- told you Clay Travis was a friend of the show. I've got a rant. Rob, you got one or no? Uh, no, I ain't got nothing. To okay. Go. All right. So now, Rob, this don't take offense to this one because it sort of involves you. No, I think I know but, where you're going. And I think that you, I think you got the wrong idea. But go ahead. No, no, no. I <laughs> I don't think you know where I'm going. So I ha- I'm having a problem with people now starting to watch TV shows that were in the zeitgeist prior. Okay. So we've got people like you, Rob, who have, which, you know, good on you for starting to watch Game of Thrones. You've had a hard time getting through episode. Uh, no, I quit again. <laughs> okay. So, but look, I don't care if you want to watch the show. Game of Thrones is a good show. That's fine if you want to watch it. My problem is with people who start watching the show and then go on social media and be like, oh, man, can you believe, you know, Jon Snow in episode three of season one? It's like, no, yeah, I can't believe it because I saw it seven years ago. Like, Hold what on, do you was believe? that? Well, I've never seen that done. I've seen it. All, all, you're not on Facebook anymore either. So so, so that's a big uh, thing. Yeah, that's that seems like a break That explains it. Any, of course, somebody on Facebook is saying something like that. <laughs> well, that's your first problem. Yes. Believe me, I've seen it on Twitter from a – from a, a family member of the show talking live tweeting the pilot of Game of Thrones. And then I see someone the other day who's like, 
finally jumping on the bandwagon, starting Breaking Bad. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, look, it's fine if you want to watch it. If you didn't watch it at the time, maybe you didn't have the, the means or whatever or the time. But I don't want to hear about it. Come talk to me when you're done watching it. We can talk about it. But don't don't post about it until then. So get out. Yeah, well, you get wait, out you of just here. wait until I live tweet Bob Newhart, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, boy, the Newhart. This Donna Reed train. Bro. Spoiler alert: the Newhart finale is for, for, really throw you for a loop. Uh, believe me. Now, I have a quick recommendation: Rick and Morty. I finally finished it. I'm caught up. I would. I really enjoyed it. Nick, I think you would really enjoy it, especially uh, given some of your hobbies. If uh, you took some time to, to watch it. I, I would highly recommend that. It's on Hulu. Um, and now, Rob, I wanted to tee you up here for a little recommendation. I saw in your Snapchat you were getting ready to prepare something in your big green egg, which uh, I know you've been known to do famously in your neighborhood. And I noticed you buying the Lipton onion soup mix box, which, by the way, tell the people about how versatile that onion soup mix is. Oh, you it's use not it for onion everything. soup. I've never even used it to make soup. I use it on meat. Um, Yeah, you can do anything with it, man. You can use it in roast. You can use it on meat. You can use it as a marinade. You can use it as a topping to cook steaks. That that stuff is the real deal, man. I actually use it to make potatoes. I take potatoes, cut them up, put some olive oil on them, and then put the onion soup mix on there. So don't just pass by and think, gross, who's going to eat onion soup? No one eats onion soup. We use it for all types of other things. No, Get it's amazing, stuff. and it's not marketed as such either. You know, it's marketed. No. As, maybe it's like it's a secret. Yeah, it's like a secret society of the onion. Well, soup. Here's, onion onion soup mix and sour cream makes a makes a dank French onion dip. Right, exactly. So Lipton, stop messing around with iced tea. Your best product is on the soup aisle. The, the soup mix. I actually think it might be on the seasoning aisle. Real quick, last but not least, I forgot to read this. Please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. We do not have, we didn't get any new reviews this week, but we did get this in reference uh, on <laughs> on a message board, the Clemson site, tigerillustrated.com. Highly recommended read. They produce a ton of good content there, especially if you're a Clemson fan. Now, there was a podcast thread on there, and our boy uh, Rogue Booster is his name, which let's hope he's not a Rogue Booster. Um, he posts on the board, only been a, been a member since May 25th, 2015, and he says, Highly recommend Commitment Issues podcast solely for the end when Rivals Woody complains about the slightest little nuances that drive him insane and he brags about screaming at poor people that don't have his exact <laughs> worldview. Yeah, yeah, I think how he, he just replaced the Europeans with poor people. The, the best one was he was on a conference call about 15-year-old boys while laying in a shared hallway wearing sweatpants. Eventually, security was called, and he was furious at how someone could think he's not a law-abiding professional. So. Yeah. Boy, that's a really tongue-in-cheek recommendation. There. I appreciate that, though. It sums up the show, right, I would think? Yeah, absolutely. Conference calls about 15-year-old boys and you being a maniac. A recommendation's a recommendation, so you know, we'll goodbye us. I, I like five stars. I like this post. Please leave us a review. Uh, oh, I have a, my recommendation is stay alive this week. Uh, do what you yeah. can, especially if you're in Florida. Don't die. I'm going to try not to. Yeah, everybody stay safe. I was the one who convinced Rob to leave uh, Miami after I told him a story about being huddled in a closet during Hurricane Charlie for like 12 hours. He decided, I'm out of here. I don't want to be stuck in the closet. So uh, he's not an R. Kelly fan. Uh, anyway, that was a, that was a lame joke. <laughs> that wraps <laughs> it up. Yeah, that wraps it up. We'll be back with another episode uh, next week. <laughs>